Okay, um, so this morning, I want you to introduce you to Kim. Kim, you can, you can sit or stand, whatever you want to do. But Kim, I just want you to kind of share with everybody, like, last week, uh, we kind of did our introductions. George Goldman is also a part of this uh, kind of teaching, sharing, leading team. Um, he's unable to be, with, to be with us today. And Kim was not here last week, so she's here this week, so I want you all to get to know her. So maybe share what you do, who you are, what your interests are, what kind of excites you about this particular series and what we're going to be doing okay. uh, this fall. Kim Tolliver. Hey, everybody. Okay, so I'm going to do like this so I can at least see yeah, my friend by the door. Um, so I'm Kim Tolliver. I've been at Otter Creek for uh, I guess seven years and I've been in Nashville uh, for nine years. I work at Good Pasture Christian School where I'm uh, the, an admissions director uh, for our school. It's a private school um, so I bring all the new students in um, and I love Otter Creek so I'm so glad that you all are here. Um, when I first started coming here this ministry didn't really exist. I think like we got here around the same time, and so it's just awesome to see how much it's blossomed, um, and then just for you all to keep coming back, and hopefully you're getting plugged in at Otter Creek. Um, but yeah, so I, like I said, I work at Good Pasture. Um, some of my interests, I love movies. Like at like any given day of the week, I'm probably watching Jurassic World. It's like the greatest movie in my mind. If y'all don't like it, well, too bad. But if you love it, we could talk. But anyway, uh, um, it's always on. Um, but I love movies. I love concerts. Um, I love spending time with my friends. I'm, I grew up in Kentucky. Anybody from Kentucky? My God. Where'd you grow up? Okay, so no, we're close to you. But I grew up in Paducah, <laughs> Kentucky. It's about three hours from Bowling Green. But um, yeah, anybody know anybody from Paducah? Couple, well, besides me, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so Duke is wonderful. I went to Harding University, um, and I studied youth and family ministry there. I was there um, back in the early 2000s, and, um, and I loved it. I loved my major, loved all that stuff. And then it's funny because, I mean, you all are in college, so this is my word of advice. Because I for sure thought, like, I'm going to be a youth minister, I'm going to work with students in some form or fashion um, and in my mind it was going to be at a church um, but then the Lord had other plans and the cool thing about it is like even though I'm not like in a church working with students I'm still doing that today like it, in some form or fashion I still get to work with high school kids and their families um, and sell Christian and like and sell the products of Christian education so my goal didn't turn out exactly like I thought it would but uh, on the other side of it, it's like oh it did work out so it's kind of neat um, I'm very excited for this class. This is my first time to ever teach at Otter Creek. I'm always, uh, I love going to the class, the class offerings that we have. Um, but I'm really excited about getting to work with you all just because I used to be, <laughs> watching somebody's poker hit in there. Um, I used to work with our high school students and sending them to college. So you never got to see where they ended up. And so um, you just always sent them away and hopefully wish them the best. So it's nice to be with you all um, and to talk about this subject because it's, it's really, really awesome. So I hope we all have a wonderful time together. But is that good? Yeah. That's great. awesome. It's great. Okay. <laughs> Jurassic World. Yeah. Jurassic World. That's uh, <laughs> so the fact I did not know about you. Okay, so um, the first thing, I want you to read this quote 
And um, and what I want you to I want you to turn. Once you get, I get to read it, and I'll read it too. But uh, I want us to just turn to our neighbor and kind of talk what this quote. As this now, remember this conversation we're having is about the Bible and what is and what is the Bible, right? And so I want you to read this quote and think about how this quote kind of is connected to this topic that we're about to really get into. It says, try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live alone some distant day into the answer. That's, that's a quote, y'all. You can memorize that and say that in a, in a conversation. It would be amazing. So turn to your neighbor and talk about this quote. I want you to kind of just quickly talk about this quote and what and how you think this quote relates to what we're about to talk about when we talk about the Bible. So, ready, break. All right, let's hear from some of you. What did you what you chat about? That's kind of just where it wants to go. We're not going to go around on this one. Just uh, hear what some of the groups are talking about. Bible and maybe you've, you've grown up with the Bible reading the Bible and you have these like, uh, 
you've learned things about it that you think are true. Like, I mean, for maybe authorship, for example, if you think a certain book is written by a certain person, but then you might come across the question of what if it wasn't, like what if it was, what if it was some other guy, or what if it was just, you know, like, there's just these questions that might come up about the Bible that that could, if you have such a strong foundation and something like that, could kind of shape a faith. And I think that's and I think that's important to uh, keep in mind. And I even say it kind of as a another aside to this thing is that it's very important that um, what we're going to get into in this series, especially when we start looking at particular passages, and we're going to be looking at some passages even today that are things we've just read and we've we've kind of just glazed over them, and we don't want to like sit with the fact that this is odd or this is unsettling that this is a part of the scripture that I've grown up I would, I would dare say most of us want to say like this is un, you know this is perfect and this is from fallen from the sky in some ways and given to us as people but I would say hang on to this and and stay with us throughout the whole thing. Um, or you can just call us heretics and move on, which is fine. Um, I don't mind being called that. It's fine. I'm a big boy. Uh, so, that being said, I love how that was on the recording. That's really awesome. Okay. So, the next question, and we've kind of talked about this last week, but I want us to just throw it out there for the whole room to hear. It says, how do you view the Bible and why? And, oh boy, I typed that fast. Nice. Homework has homework. You read the Bible. Change and how, uh, oh, what did I do? How have we read the How has your reading, ah, so bad. No, has, has, how have you read the Bible changed everything? There we go. That's why I have Becky here. You're like, no, no, no. Oh boy. I'm dyslexic, so, you know, I can use that as a crutch whenever I need it. Um, but no. So, yeah, how, how, how is that? What, what, answer that question. Just kind of toss out answers to how have you viewed the Bible um, and how has it changed over the years? I think just having more context, like, the more you learn about it, the more, like, it's it I think I always turned to the Bible, especially when I was, I'm about to say younger, but it's, I'm in my 30s, so when I was in like teen and in my early 20s, I think I turned to it just like solely because I was having a bad day or like, oh, I need some guidance, I can't do anything else, but that was the only time that I would open it up and then shut it up, shut it and put it up, you know, just, and then try to figure everything else. Um, out and I mean and honestly there's still days that that is the case you know it's just like I'll just let it give me some guidance but then put it off to the side and not just read it for you know the, like all the levels of things that are in there you know not taking it in that context but just looking at it like oh I'm having days bad let me right. get some wisdom which that's not a bad thing but then but that's all it was that's all Else? What else? I think sometimes when I was younger, I would often go to it for uh, inspiration or also to like 
maybe prove a prove something that I feel like is strongly that like see it says it in here that have some instruction. Um, but I think um, one of the things that's really helped me kind of see the Bible in a different way and help it become something really different for me is to look at it as a as a way to understand who God is. So like um, looking at these this collection of stories and instead of it being like necessarily direction towards me at every moment, rather trying to figure out like this is a description that I can I can learn who God actually is through this. Um, I can see what he was trying to do in these moments, rather than it being like, this is what I need to do. Rather, it's more about me figuring out who he is. Does help. Yeah, and, and I think for me, even to add to that is, when I start to, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, when I start to connect the history of the Bible, like what was happening when this was written, to these people it was written to, it is even more enlightening than when I used to read it and just flatly say, well, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, when you understand that, um, like a, a great example is when we're looking at um, this story of Moses and how um, Moses, you know, they, they made a great point to make mention that when Moses was died, he still had his like mojo. He still was able to like produce children. Like that is in the Bible. It's very graphic. Uh, but I'm actually not going to have to get to. We don't go graphic too soon. We want to wait to get some of that. But um, but the reason that that's important is that these ancient people used to live very secular lives. So it was believed that this is the family you're born in. This is what's going to happen because you're a part of this family. Period. End of sentence. And it's just a cycle, and you die somewhere in this cycle. But you never leave this cycle. But then these anxious writers says, no. Abraham and Moses are saying we're breaking free from this cycle and charting a new course. Well, how, how much is that true of a lot of us in the room? Are we continuing the cycles of our family tradition? Are we saying, I'm leaving this cycle in charting a new course? Doing something different. For some of you, the difference is I left my hometown. And everybody in my family stayed here worked at the fill in the blank and did this thing. You're like, well, I'm going to do something different. But you know what? The Bible's on your side in that way. Because you see examples of the people that are breaking the cycles of the established system that's already in play. You want to add anything before I move on? Uh, no, I think that's a great point, but um, and it certainly helps to understand history and gives us a deeper meaning to it, but I love that, you know, in rabbinical tradition, Scripture is like a, a, a diamond. You get something new as it catches the light every time you turn it. There's many faces to it. So for me, I grew up in a culture where my dad is very super Bible nerd, super super history nerd, and so there was one way to read the Bible. There's a historical fact. Let's talk about that. So for me as an adult, learning uh, that the process of Lectio Divina and being able to read the Bible and say, okay, I'm not reading this for information. I'm reading this to hear what God's saying to me. What word is God speaking to me right now? Whether or not it had to do with the historical situation or not has been really powerful for me as well. That's great. Okay. 
let's move on. Um, maybe I wrote this one better. Okay. <laughs> so this one, this is a quote from the book that we're kind of used to. It says, the Bible is a book about them then that somehow speaks to you and me here and now. And it can change the way we think and feel about everything. I think that's a good quote for us to remember. Um, in what ways do the time period and location of the Bible matter to how we read it here today? What do you think? Is it in, maybe it's not important. Yeah. Um, I just this question kind of makes me think of like very early Old Testament, like even Genesis, like in the creation story. Um, and how that is written. Um, and if we take that story and put it in the context of like the technology and the science and the advancements we have today, it like kind of it changes our view of it when it was not written for like our understanding of the world today. It was written for a people way back when who were trying to not necessarily determine exactly how the world was created, but glorify like the power of the God they serve, almost. Um, and when you don't look at it that way, and you look at it um, and try and try and use it to back up like Western modern technology and science, then it's just like, oh, this is invalid. But no, it's not invalid because that's not what it was for. It was not written to stand up to um, the times of way later when we figure out things um, through like, trusted uh, ways of science. That's not what it was for. It's not meant to stand up to that because that wasn't its purpose. Um, and so that's what kind of what that makes me think of is the period and location of when that was written was for that purpose, not this purpose today. So that's important to me. Um, so I just think about how, um, like, there's a lot of scripture that um, speaks to a particular And it's like, 
how do we separate like the fact that that is their context of who God is, um, and so like could their understanding have been skewed, um, and like if so, then like determining on how like you understand inspired like does God just allow Himself to be portrayed that way at that period of time, and does He trust us to figure that out based on the fact that we have a Bible that says that? Like it just gets really confusing there. <laughs> what else? What else? Yeah. I just think about this. I feel like this goes with this, like the original language that everything was written in, and like how translations now, like how well does that reflect that? Like how how have we gotten from what it says in the original Greek to what we're saying in the new versions now in English? Like, Let's, uh, let's see what this next one has here. The Bible did not drop out of the sky. It was written by people. I think it's also important to think like it was translated by people. So even though there are words in like the ancient Greek that probably don't that probably means something different than the way that it's translated today just because we don't really have words that can describe what they're saying in that language and so sometimes like I mean different translations do it better than others but sometimes like the point doesn't really come across the same way my first thought is just the gospels like these guys witness. This, you know, most of them had the same experience, you know, or at least heard the same stories. But it's like if all of us witness a crash or something, we all will have a different view of what happened. You know, like ultimately we saw a crash, but you saw this, he saw that, and it's and then if you try to write that all out, just the levels of that, like kind of like what he's saying, it's just like everybody saw something differently, which is really great about the gospels because then it's. It's geared to those different people. Does this bother anybody? Everybody kind of cool with that? I think this could open the door for some sort of discrimination of some parts of the Bible. Okay. Talk to you more. It's not even surprised how I view scripture. Like, not necessarily the rock of God, but that it's the rock of the Spirit and all that stuff. So, like, it has some sort of precedence. For some, there's, there's definitely very intelligent, bright people, scholars. I mean, this allows certain views to all sort of come together that are different and competing as well. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think we have to add to that, too, that it's it's read by people in a different context. Um, and as you said, the, the Church of Christ believes that it was spirit-inspired and the spirit was working through the writing of these texts. And we also believe that the spirit is still active today in how we read it and how we live that out as a community. So I think that um, if we put our trust in scripture rather than in God and in the spirit to help us work those things out, then we're uh, committing you know, idolatry. Mm-hmm. 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 
I think, like, just to speak to the theme, um, it was assembled by people as well. It's not like somebody was writing one book and then just handed it to someone else to be like, all right, I'm about to die, you finish this part. It was like a bunch of different things that we took and put together in just one word that we thought was the best. Um, and so, like, when it says the Bible did not drop out of the sky, like, that's right, like, it didn't, there wasn't all of them assembled and they all came down. It was a bunch <coughs> of different areas, a bunch of different writings that was all put together at one point in time. Not all written intended to like link to each other, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say also what Robbie said, and then I was going to add to that. Um, I don't know if the people who assembled the Bible would have said these are the only spirit-inspired books out there. You know, like I don't think they could have acted like with all of their... Um, I said that like there will never be another spirit inspired thing written. Right. Um, so that's just a question. But. Yeah. Okay. So the, the the thing that I think might be really helpful, I think it would be helpful for me in these discussions would be um, like to define the terms of like uh, authority and inspired. Because those those words are loaded and also they mean different things in a church of Christ context than they do in various other contexts. And so when we talk about authority, often when I think of authorities of me, like in my job or whatever, like they're in charge of me, but there's not necessarily like a live or die, go to hell or go to heaven type, but they would just like work with me. But if, when we talk about authority of scripture, we're talking often about, it's a loaded term, and the idea of also the Bible being inspired is also like a loaded term that comes from, like, and I think you were trying to define that with the dropping out of the sky thing. And so I think that those terms in particular are going to be like super significant to the discussion. We're definitely getting into a lot of that. So this is kind of the question put out there. I like the fact that, that oh, people wrote the Bible, changed the way you view the authors of the Bible. How might this change the way you view the Bible itself? We kind of talked about it this time. But give us some more about this. I think we need to look at it in other works of literature as well. Um, kind of like trying to see what the intention, what the intentions were behind the writing uh, helps a lot. Because like if you view it, just from a God standpoint of like this text comes from God, I think oftentimes we kind of pass over the fact that like there are other like meanings behind things that are written. And so um, like looking at the Gospels, like um, we talked about a second ago, about how like, there's four different accounts and looking at like, why they're different and like, what the intention was in including specific examples in the text, like why are some of the genealogies different? Um, what was the intention of like including this specific article of clothing or like this specific miracle? Like, what are they trying to emphasize with this writing? And like, and also what are they leaving out? Like, what? Why not include this miracle um, in this or did not include it in this one? What was the intention behind that? Uh, and so I think realizing that people wrote it kind of helps you um, investigate kind of what's going on in the text and the So I'm gonna go to First Kings eleven forty one. And someone else go to John 20, 30 to 31. And then someone else go to John 21, 25, verse 25. Who has the kings, first kings? First kings 11, 41. Eleven forty one. Yep. What does it say? 
What is that? <laughs> Y'all have that in yours? What? <laughs> like that, so here's what that points to, that particular passage. Is that the people who were receiving these texts and reading them in real time had an already understanding of what was happening. That the author didn't feel the need to make mention to like, oh, you know, this is where you're going to get this, this particular book. It's like saying you, you already know how to get access to these things. Well then, if we, we, we don't, I would like to read that. Very interesting. Who's got this, the John 20, verse 30 to 31? Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's the New Testament too. <laughs> so you just left out a bunch of miracles? Why? What? Can someone explain that for me, please? I'm looking for an explanation. It's kind of nice that they say they left it out because sometimes you think like, really? Like you had all this power and you only did like this many? He just did the seven. Not a lot. Go for it. There were more. We just didn't write them down. We just didn't write them down. Just didn't care to write them down. Interesting. Who's got John 21, 25? I have it. Yeah. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world could not have room for the books that would be written. John, <laughs> that's not helpful, my guy. Like, what? Like, what do you think can help us? Can you explain? Um, as far as, I mean, to Kim's point, with the Gospels, they, they have a purpose. They're written to an audience. Um, each of the, the Gospels um, is telling a story of who Jesus is for a certain group of people. Um, and, and so there were some miracles and some things that he said that uh, needed to be heard from that audience. Um, and all of these things were also written um, 60 to 80 years after uh, Jesus' death. And so they were fresh in people's minds. Some say even longer than 60 to 80 years. Some say it's 100. So wait, when was the when was the Civil War? How long ago was that? Like how many years ago was that? Okay, 150. We're going to write in the room about the Civil War and what happened. Who's ready? <laughs> One person. <laughs> like when you put that into context, you're like, what? So it's like imagining us who've heard the stories of the soldiers and the accounts and the experiences of what happened then, and then we said, you know what, we ought to write this down. Okay. Kim, Becky, let's get to work. It'd be bad. 
But we have letters and we have history books and we have uh, oral traditions that our grandparents heard from their grandparents and mm -hmm. things like that. And so we could, I mean, uh, there would be truth. There would be truth. It. Uh, it wouldn't be a complete uh, account because we're talking about thousands and thousands of people uh, in multiple different places. Uh, and it would take, that there is no way to capture all of that. Yeah. That's, that's okay. That's part of that tension that we have for That's part of tension. So let me end with this. I think this is great. The Bible is a library of books written by 40 or so authors over roughly 1,500 years and on three continents. This library is vast and diverse and covers a massive amount of ground. At various moments over the past several thousand years, people made decisions about what books became a part of the Bible and what books were left out. People wrote the books that became the Bible, and then other people decided that those books would or would not be included in the Bible. These people had meetings and discussions, and the criteria had more meetings and discussions, and eventually made decisions. Decisions about what the Bible even is. <coughs> And it's important to keep in mind that these are real people in real places in real times and there's real stuff that has happened. And it's also important to know that I believe that it is inspired, hopeful, and full of twists and turns and it's random and it's political and it's about the poor and about the rich and about all the things that we're currently in the middle of dealing with. And if anything, again, as I said in the first class we did, my hope is that by the end of this whole thing, you will come even to become even more in love with the Bible than you have before, but for a different reason. Because it is a wonderful piece of from a collection of people who experience something very real in real time. And it's a tragedy and it's a shame that we don't lean into that realness. That we don't, uh, that we take the human element out of it. I think that's only getting half of the, half of the story. Uh, final thoughts from you two? Anything you want to add? So here's what I would love for you to do, and I'm a, we're going to send this out an email. I would love for you to read um, the story of uh, in the Gospel of John about uh, the woman called the Bozeman. I want you just to go and to read that story. Y'all want to know where it's at? If you don't, you have Google. You can figure it out. I know you can. Um, read that story in the Gospel of John. I want you to read that and like sit with that story. Read what's kind of before it, read what's happening, reading what happens after it, but like read that story this week. Just kind of like use that as a way I'm going to sit with this story this week. And I'm going to send an email out that's going to potentially help you even unpack this story in a maybe new and different way. But for now, that's what our homework is as a, as a group, is to read this story and see where it takes us. All right, that's it. Have a great day. Donuts in the back room.
Freeloaders lunch today. Fireside chats on Wednesday nights. Peace. Zow. 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 Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> so I was thinking about that.